Hey everyone, welcome to the Train 5 for Life podcast with Ben Heinrichs and Megan DeHaan. Our mission is to inspire everyone to own their health and happiness by training five pillars of wellness, mindset, nutrition, fitness, recovery, and connection. Good health comes from good habits and we're here to help you find the tools you need to live well. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another week of the Train 5 for Life podcast. How are you doing, Benj? Uh, great. You? Good. It's beautiful right and sunny on. outside. It's a great day. Nice. <laughs> um, so we left off last time by talking about our three kind of biggest bang for your buck health tips for people. And so I figured this time around we would expand on those a bit and take a deeper dive into what our what our top three were to help people move the dial or what the lead domino would be for them. So remind us, what were your top three? Yeah, I think uh, I already did it. So the first thing I want to say is uh, that after re- uh, listening to our first podcast, I noticed <laughs> some things I didn't really like about how I was talking. And so I'm learning how to get better at this stuff too, which is exciting. But it was frustrating listening and hearing how many times I said, and, uh, and I think. So hopefully that doesn't annoy the, the listeners too much if I do it this time. But I'm definitely going to work on that. And I thought it was funny that the very first thing I said was that when you just asked the question. <laughs> so I have a sticky note. Uh, nice. No, and, us. That's right. So we'll see how it goes. And you can... Uh, you know, virtually punch me every time uh, <laughs> I say one of those things. So, deal. So, what I wanted to talk about was I know we had uh, three things that that we said were sort of our biggest bang for our buck, and so I think we can go through those. But I also think, you know, hopefully we get some feedback from uh, people listening that if we want to go into some of those in more detail and maybe have an entire podcast episode about any one of those, I imagine eventually we'll do one on, on all of those. But if people have something that they want us to really get into a bit more, uh, one of mine was nutrition. I'm sure it's one of yours, even though we, we probably talk about some different things. Well, that could be a year's worth of podcasting <laughs> right there. So, to do another five minutes will be a slightly deeper dive, but I wouldn't say anything that we're going to touch on today will be a deep dive, but just to give uh, people an idea of some of the things that we'll be talking about in even more detail, but maybe try to give them something that that they can go away with and think about and, and use would be good. Yeah. So uh, we'll go through mine and then I think we can go through yours too, or we can go back and forth on one okay. each. Yeah, sounds good. Take it away. Okay. The first one I said was just learning how to learn. And I wanted to clarify that a little bit as far as more like understanding how your brain operates a little bit more. I, if, if people get a better handle on, on how their brain operates and how they make decisions, then they'll be able to, to, make better decisions that they'll be able to learn more effectively. They'll create better habits. And to me, 
you know, you can have all the intellectual knowledge in the world, but if you don't apply it, it's not going to help you at all. And the, the, the one example is everyone knows that they should do some kind of exercise. <laughs> There's nobody who doesn't know that. Yeah. But how many people do it? Right. There's lots of people who would want to do more, or want to do it better or want to just start. They know it's important, uh, but they haven't made the decision or created the habit. And so we need to understand as humans that we're really shitty at making decisions. We think we make good decisions, but we don't often understand where in our brain our decisions are coming from. And, and if we get a little bit of awareness of that, it doesn't mean that we're going to make great decisions all the time. It just gives us a better chance to hopefully make right decisions or better mm -hmm. decisions. And so, you know, our brain has uh, well, the amygdala, the, the, the lizard brain, some people call it, whatever, yeah, yeah. the thing that keeps you uh, alive, you know, your survival, your fight or flight instincts, uh, all those things, your emotions, uh, those are all designed to make you aware of something, usually in a fear-based way. But uh, th that feeling part of your brain, the subconscious, is going to direct most of what happens. And you might think you're in control with your conscious thinking brain, but that's the awareness that you need. Your thinking brain is not in charge. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you do, it can't be in charge. That's not how it works. Uh, that might sound depressing. Uh, no, I actually couldn't agree more. Yeah, especially with someone who really likes to be in control. But the feeling brain is driving the car. And, and that's not going to change. The thinking brain can't take over. But the thinking brain can be aware and, and probably end up drawing the map for the feeling brain. So it's like if you have that awareness, then you know that you can um, influence the feeling brain. And I think that's a big part of creating habits for people is they, they find a way to make it so that uh, it's a little more enjoyable or a little more likely to happen, uh, that their feeling brain can be convinced that the emotion isn't going to be negative or whatever it is, and you nudge it in the right direction and eventually it becomes automatic. So our lives are as good as our habits are. And mm -hmm. so the things that you do unconsciously, subconsciously, that just happen, those are your habits. Uh, most of your day is those things. And so you can say all you want that you want to do something. And there's an example of the, the thinking brain at work. I need to do all these things. And then how many of them get done? And how often do you just go to the things that you do every day anyways? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's the example right there. How do we help the feeling brain? Uh, inch it along to something that sounds good to it you know that gives you some some kind of feeling of oh yeah that, that wouldn't be so bad and that awareness is really important and then the second part of that is you most people almost everyone thinks they're uh, smarter than they are better than they are and, and it's not a it's not an ego thing per se it's just you're reflecting in your own brain about who you are. You're like, yeah, I'm pretty good at that. And, oh, I know about this. But you need to stop and ask yourself, like, am I qualified to make a good decision here? 
how believable am I? How much information do I actually know about this? Or do I just have some random opinion from, you know, a headline I saw on the news or my friend told me this, now I know enough to, to make decisions. And so it's really good to find believable people who disagree with you uh, to sort of triangulate. And that's uncomfortable too, because you, you don't like to disagree. We're not wired to, you know, want to deal with problems and want to sit with our weaknesses and, and all those things. But we have a better chance of making good decisions when we think about those things. So lot, lot to chew on there. I, <laughs> but that, that the take home there is, uh, just a greater awareness of how your brain works and that you won't always feel the way you think you should. Like some days you wake up and you, you're feeling great and you're just rocking it and you, you roll right into doing some work or doing a workout and the next day you get up, you're like, I don't want to do anything. I'm just like, I don't, I'm not motivated. And you go like, this day is going to be a waste. But if you just sit with it and recognize, oh, I'm just in that kind of state, it's it's going to pass. It might take a while, but mm -hmm. nothing is, is permanent. Right. And mm -hmm. it's really hard to remember that when you're in it, you know? And so maybe you just got to start doing one thing and then all of a sudden you get rolling and, uh, there it is. I said, and, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> okay, well, you just I start rolling and away you go. Completely agree. Like a lot of the, the work I do about, um, around habit change and behavior change with my clients has to do with starting them off on some type of habit tracker because habit formation is is kind of like a dopamine feedback loop because people love like the part of the process that feels good is the progress of it so being able to you know check things off of your calendar or your to-do list or whatever like people love positive for example because um like you said motivation is fleeting no one wakes up every day and and thinks like oh i can't wait to work out or you know like especially if they hate going to the gym like it's motivation is not something you can rely on day in and day out so including some form of self-discipline at first will lend itself eventually to what feels like more motivation but it's actually just you're just turning into well, this is just the kind of person I am. These are the kinds of things that I do over time. So I totally agree. Like learning how you learn is probably step one in, in everything. Yeah. Uh, and the, the patience that it requires too. Like how long do you think it takes for a habit to be set in? Like how many months of doing something consistently? Yeah. I mean, I think the literature used to say 21 days. But, you know, in the last few years, I think that it's closer to probably to like a 90 day time span, if we're being realistic with ourselves, like in order for it to be a real, a part like it becomes a part of, of your identity, like I was saying, after a certain amount of time, and I'm sure three weeks isn't long enough for that, but. Yeah, I've, I, so uh, not to depress anyone, but I was just reading uh, yesterday, I think uh, Ray Dalio, who wrote Principles, he talks about 12 months to 18 months. Oh, to really? Make, to make it that thing that becomes automatic, where you're actually just subconsciously 
you, you don't make a decision anymore. Yeah. You don't get up and go, oh, how can I talk myself out of working out today? <laughs> or do I really have to get up at this time? Like, it's just a choice that hasn't, doesn't need to be made anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that frees your brain to do other things. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, for sure to get a good pattern going, it's going to take a couple, couple few months. <laughs> and maybe then make, the make it part of who you are as sort of a permanent characteristic it might be a lot longer yeah yeah agreed so, so do you want to do all three of yours or should i do one of mine next yeah i think you can uh i can take a break <laughs> okay so one of mine um i changed mine after hearing what yours were because we didn't discuss this before but mine were probably very similar to the three of yours so uh one of mine that was that was top of mind was um getting out into nature because I just read the book forest bathing and I don't know just I'm in the middle of Toronto so it's tougher to find nature sometimes but it's very calming um it's another one of those things that gets us into a parasympathetic state and I think that the more often we can move from sympathetic to parasympathetic, the better our health will be. So I think that this actually is one of my top three, if I'm thinking about it more, because the more often we can get into that rest and digest place of being and finding some stillness and finding some calm, the better we'll be able to think, the better our relationships will be, the better our digestion is, you know, like everything kind of will become easier if we're not in like a chronically stressed state like so many of us are a lot of the time and so just for clarity the the parasympathetic is the the rest and digest system and the sympathetic is your stress response here action get to it kind of yeah correct your fighter fight or flight is your sympathetic and so that's you know a lot of us are in um, this is something I like to focus on when it comes to digestion, because a lot of people are eating at their desk or in their car or whatever. And so it's, it's when we're eating in that state, our, we're in a sympathetic state. So we're in that fight or flight. So our blood is, is in our limbs and not in our digestive tract, not in, like, not where it's supposed to be in order to, to help us out there. And so in order to get the most that we possibly can out of the food that we're eating and be able to think clearly, be able to sleep properly, all these other things. We need to learn ways that work for us because there's no one size fits all when it comes to rest and relaxation and recovery. So figuring out what works for you in terms of, for me, that's getting out in nature. Um, For other people, it might be something different, but you know, like 30 seconds of breath work before a meal can go a long way or going for a walk in the trees goes farther than than you think so that's for sure one of mine nice and i find that too related to the habits and the mood that you're in in a given moment uh when you wake up for example you're not feeling great maybe it like i know if i just grab the dogs and take a 15 minute walk and we have a nice park with uh trees and stuff right right outside our back door then uh, our only door, I live in a condo, I don't have a back door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, then uh, 
you know, that can be the thing that just a few deep breaths, listen to the birds and all of a sudden life's not, not too bad. Mm -hmm. And it also helps with circadian, <laughs> resetting your circadian rhythm. Sorry, I'm tripping over yeah. my words. Um, but just being able to get outside right after you wake up and get some sunshine, um, does, like it'll basically set you up for success for the whole rest of your day and, and your sleep. So that affects your hunger hormones and everything else. It's a cascade effect. So getting out in nature is definitely one of my top three biggest bang for your buck health tips. Nice. What's your number two? Number two, I, I know I talked about nutrition and obviously big, uh, buzzword mm -hmm. uh, I touched on it briefly last time and I think that there's just so much to to talk about there to keep it brief uh, is is a bit challenging the biggest thing for me I, I'm not a, a doctor I'm not pretending to give anyone advice per se I just know what I've seen works for me and for people that I've worked with uh, but I do, I do think that the biggest thing is people find something that works for them and, and then try to make good decisions to find something that works for them, which is related to the first point I was talking about. And that can be tricky too, because you always want to find information that supports what you believe and not the other way around. Uh, and so just keeping a really open mind. Uh, around that finding things that that work for you and and what I mean by that is do do I feel good am I satisfied and and full do I get good healthy nutrients uh, that my body needs to function that my brain needs to function uh, then then you got something to work with and and so there are some base points that I be believe help everybody feel better and there are some things that people eat that aren't good for anybody, but there's also people who can just about eat whatever they want and seem to maintain a healthy body weight and, and have fairly good health markers. The thing I always say about that is people want to believe they're that outlier. And I know I talked a bit about that last episode and I would go on the premise that you're not the outlier because that's like one in 10,000 people or whatever the number is, even if it's one in a hundred, you know, it's the odds aren't good. And so start from a base point of, Hey, I know some things that are really healthy for me to eat. And I know some things, or I'm going to find out some things that aren't, and I'm just going to choose from the ones that are. And the other thing is who are you getting your advice from and looking at their believability. So, if I were to go to a dietitian, uh, and and frankly they were forty pounds overweight, then the, to me that person isn't believable. And who knows what they're dealing with? And and maybe that's unfair, but to me that just says either what you're saying doesn't work or it's too hard because you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's really important in in any field is like why would you listen to somebody who is saying certain things but aren't doing it themselves or aren't able to do it to me that's a big red red flag right away and uh and so that that the same goes for nutrition and and i know that there's endless amounts of diets and people that are on them that are uh healthy lean 
whatever it is. But th there's more to health than just, hey, am I ripped or jacked or whatever it is. There's, there's a lot more to health than that. Does my brain function well? Am I sleeping well? Are my hormones balanced? The list can go on and on. Mm -hmm. But for me is, you know, finding my, my nutrition is based on, I, I think of food as fuel. That doesn't mean that I eat things that don't taste good. I love to eat and I love food that tastes great. But I know that anything I put in my body is going to have an impact right away. Uh, and so I want to choose things that have a positive impact that make me feel good and that don't make me feel like shit. So. I want to find those things. I want to find things that taste great. And I want to know that, uh, I'm satisfied and full. And for me, that means like I eat two meals a day. Basically I don't count it. I don't track it. I haven't done that for years. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but if I'm eating the right things, then I'm going to be full for a long time. I'm going to be burning fat for fuel instead of sugar for fuel. And these are all things that we could have separate episodes on, but I'm <laughs> going to train myself to be a fat burner and be fat adapted. And then I have metabolic flexibility and I'm not going to get cravings. I'm not going to get hungry, uh, for long periods of time. Like I said, two meals a day. And even if I am hungry, it won't be hangry. It'll just be, Oh, I'm feeling kind of hungry, but I'll be able to function. I could function for a full day without eating and be completely fine. I'd be hungry, but, wouldn't alter my brain state or anything like that. And, and that's just from being fat adapted and, and, uh, training my body to use fat for fuel, which I have an abundance of and everyone does. So even a lean person has 30 days of fat just sitting on their body ready to roll. So, uh, if you can learn to use that stuff, train your body, use that stuff, then you're just going to be in way better shape than the sugar, like throwing kindling on a fire all the time to try and keep it going instead of burning the logs that are, that are there that actually give you the heat you need. If that analogy makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, I'm sure we'll dive deeper into your diet specifically the way that you and Jolene eat in, in episodes to come. Cause that's something that's like certainly interesting to, um, to me, to people that follow you on Instagram. So we will save maybe the, the nitty gritty and the details of, of exactly what you guys eat and, and all that jazz for another one, perhaps, because there's yeah. a million questions that I have no, there. For, for sure. But I, I think if, if people want to, there's, there's tons of resources out there again. And, and I would say mainstream, mainstream media, the mainstream resources are pretty flawed and, pretty heavily influenced by uh, money, unfortunately, by the food industry, the drug industry, and so on. And so I think it requires digging a little deeper, but there's lots of information and lots of good resources. And I would advocate for uh, mostly for uh, some form of low carb diet that is heavily based on um, whole foods, real foods, not processed or packaged food. Uh, I think eating animal products is mostly necessary to be optimally healthy. But I also know a, a handful, not that's a lie. I owe, I, 
I know a couple of vegetarians who seem to be ripping it up and loving life and having energy and feeling great and having healthy uh, biomarkers and all that stuff. So that's great. Uh, why would I tell them to do something different if everything is great for them? Like, I just don't think that makes sense either. Mm -hmm. But for the majority of people, again, uh, I, th I think the evidence is becoming more clear on the benefits of, of healthy fat and, and protein predominantly limiting your carbs mm -hmm. and, uh, and getting some of that from, from animal sources. But hey, you find what works for you and, and you, you get to it. Amen. Um, okay, so my number two thing on my list was related to gratitude and just finding some sort of of gratitude practice, mainly because it's one of the biggest factors in developing greater resilience. And so resilience, especially during this time, we're recording this during um, physical and social distancing during COVID-19, but this is a time when we need more resilience because stress is high and resilience is not one of those things that you're born with. It is, it is a learned habit and skill by virtue of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so uh, gratitude is one of the quickest ways to build resilience. Um, and so I think the last time I, I had said something along the lines of like, figure out who your support network is and um, you know, like create greater bonds and greater connections with those people as a, as a form of gratitude. And so telling people, you know, like not waiting to tell people what they mean to you or what they, what they are for you in your life is, is important. And I think can also really benefit health because the more resilience we have, the less stressed we'll be. And chronic stress is a big factor in inflammation in um, all these biomarkers that we were talking about and it affects digestion and nutrition as well. So I think that some of the psychosomatic things that maybe some nutritionists don't talk about or, are where I like to focus a lot. So some sort of gratitude practice is a part of my top three for that reason. Cause I think that um, resilience and being able to reframe situations that are causing cognitive dissonance in your life, like being able to see the silver lining of, of things and being able to be optimistic and cultivating optimism. These are things that should be talked about more often at younger ages. Um, and I think that they can make a big impact on people's health. Cool. What do you think about, so I know you, you said silver lining and obviously we want to look at that. What about, uh, picking something that sucks to be thankful for? So your perception is that it sucks, or do you say, thanks for putting me in this opportunity to become more resilient to, challenge myself to figure out the problem and to push <laughs> push through it like radical acceptance yeah that's um i mean if you can if you can get to that place then that's awesome a lot of people have trouble getting there to be but that's one of the exercises for for cognitive reframing that i try to get people to do like think of something negative that's happened to you in the last 24 hours and try to see the other side of it and i know that that is like a really shitty thing to have to to have to journal on or whatever but it's um it's a good exercise and then you train yourself over time like when if shit hits the fan in the middle of your day you can you've already trained yourself to a certain extent to be able to understand that it's not like it's not 
the end of the world. It's not going to like, there is another side to the story. It's not going to mess up your entire life. Like these things are, we, we have a really easy time going all the way over to worst case scenario thinking and a really hard time sometimes getting over to the best case scenario world. So developing some sort of resilience factors through gratitude um, and through optimism exercises and through self-efficacy. Um, I think I talked a little bit about self-efficacy last time, but that's the, the idea that you need to continue having some self-discipline in order to show up for yourself because the more often you show up for yourself in whatever arena, the more likely you are to believe that you can accomplish big goals and big tasks and uh, the things that you want to do in life. So this is all kind of bundled into my second point, which was <laughs> developing a gratitude practice, but all those things are one and the same. Well, I like that, that, the, you know, being thankful for whatever it is that you're presenting yourself with and the cliche of, you know, life is short and all that. Everyone is tired of hearing that, but like, that is the deal, you know? And, uh, there it is again. The more that we recognize that what we have right now is, is all there is, the better that we can appreciate that and do something productive, useful, fun, whatever the word is that is better than the opposite, which is complaining, making excuses, getting frustrated. The super challenging part for me, and I'm certainly not anywhere near, like I'm at the other end of scale from enlightened. Uh, <laughs> I need, I need more work, you know, uh, but, but for me, just, uh, trying to get to a place where, um, I'm not, I'm not negative and frustrated with myself for not being thankful about something. Like it's, it's like you want to have resilience and can you be kind to yourself when you screw it up? I think that <laughs> helps with your self-efficacy too. Instead of beating yourself up more for not being disciplined enough to do something, you can be thankful for the situation. And when you screw it up, go, hey, it's all right. Be thankful that you recognize that you screwed it up. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's and the then, practice. And then you got a chance to to make a better move uh, moving forward. Yeah. And it's, it is a practice. Like it's one of you would never expect to be good at a sport without practicing it, but everyone expects to have emotional intelligence and, you know, be able to like show gratitude and, and these other things that we're just expected to know how to do without any practice at all. So it is a practice. It is something that, that takes work just like everything else. So that is a good point. Okay, what was your last one? I believe it was sleep. Mm, okay. And I, there's not, to me, there's not much to say there. Uh, <laughs> I think, like, like you got to get enough sleep. Yeah. And so maybe people would be more into, like, well, how, thanks, tips, you know, like, <laughs> how, how can I get more sleep? The <laughs> The first one relates back to the habits and the awareness and the discipline of if you have a schedule where you have a set time to go to bed and a set time to get up, then that's, 
that's a lot of the battle, right? And you talked about circadian rhythms and our DNA is kind of designed to sleep when it's dark and be awake when it's light. But then that changes depending on where in the world you are. So if you're in the north and, you know, it's only dark for a few hours, yeah. even in Edmonton here right now, or St. Albert, it's, uh, it's, it's not dark for long enough to get enough sleep, perhaps. Uh, and you might find throughout the year that you need more sleep in the winter than you do in the summer for those reasons. But generally speaking, that's the, the deal. So I don't think it's as effective for most people if, if they still get eight hours or whatever they need to go to bed at 2 a.m. and then get eight hours and, and wake up at 10 a.m. or whatever it is. It's still better to you know, try to go to bed fairly early and get up fairly early now that could be a range right it might be probably the the cutoff for most people would be like a midnight to eight that's that's pushing it being fairly late mm -hmm. um, but you know maybe 9 p.m is is too early for for a lot of people too so the again it to me it's getting more in tune with yourself and everyone wants to be told the answer is hey what do i need to do and, it, and to me, you're going to find that I find a lot of gray area and, and what works for you. And, and again, be aware of the outliers. Like I mentioned the last time, there are people who can sleep for five hours a night and seem to be just killing life, just rocking it and, and no issues. And don't expect that that's you. Uh, most people probably need something in the, you know, the typical eight hour, seven to nine, somewhere in there. If you're an athlete and you're training really hard, you need way more sleep than that. Like you just need more time for your body to recover and you're going to perform better if you're sleeping nine or 10 hours probably or getting a nap in. Uh, and so all those things factor into it, but having a schedule where you're, you're consistent and when you go to bed and, and when you get up, how do you know if you've had enough sleep? I think maybe just sleep without an alarm when you can, when you wake up, get up and see how you, how you're impacted throughout the day. And it should be fairly natural. Like if you're always having to wake up to an alarm and you're out cold, when the alarm goes off all the time, there's a good chance you're probably not sleeping enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all the things that like, I'm sure we can talk about in, in an episode sometime about, you know, not the blue light, that that you have at night when you're looking at screens and stuff uh how that impacts your health what you eat impacts your your ability to sleep for some people caffeine uh, all those kinds of factors so yeah but at the end of the day sleep uh, you just can't do anything well without sleep and going back to my first point about making decisions the the more decisions you have to make and the more tired you are the the worse you're going to end up making decisions. So I just think of if you've ever had to make a, an important decision when you're, when you're tired and you finally just go out, oh, whatever. And you just, someone else makes it for you. You, you know, you look back and go, I can't believe I, I did that, but you, it's not, not really your fault. Like your brain's exhausted. Mm -hmm. You just don't have the tools to, to make good decisions, to stick with your habits, to do anything that makes sense. So, so for me, get getting enough sleep is just, 
it's a massive thing. I mean, I'd almost give up, you know, I can't remember where I heard this, but between exercise, sleep and nutrition, if I could only pick one and the other ones, someone else had to dictate, I'd, I'd probably pick sleep. Like my body is not going to be able to make up for anything else if I don't get enough sleep. So to me, that's just a massive priority. Yeah. And I think we can do certainly a, a full episode on, you know, building a proper nighttime routine, what ours might look like, you know, like tips to help people sleep. I think that that would be useful for sure. Cause that's something that, uh, I know in my circle of friends and family maybe isn't taken as seriously as like people, just like people think that they can outwork their diet. People think that like being on their phones till 11 isn't impacting their sleep in, in a way that's, I don't know that it really, really is. And so I think that, yeah, us doing a, a separate episode on sleep would also be nice. For sure. All right. Your last one. Okay. My last one was muscle building, if I'm remembering correctly. So just getting some muscle in general and, and some sort of resistance training going, because just like a gratitude practice and getting out in nature and things like that, build your resilience and emotional resistance and things like that to whatever comes at you that way. Um, muscle builds physical resilience in the same way. So uh, things like insulin sensitivity, because you're able to store more, more glucose, sarcopenia and obesity and age related things are all combated. If you have more muscle mass, um, diabetes, like so many of the kind of diseases of our age are based on not only the fact that like, yes, we are uh, obese, like a lot of a lot more obesity than there ever was before but there's also a lot less muscle like everyone's under muscled and but obesity is at the forefront of the conversation and so i think that um you know like it's still so common that people are only spending time running or only spending time doing like chronic cardio like you said last time whereas if they were just to switch out like take a half hour of that runtime and use it to, to build a little bit more muscle mass. It changes everything. Like it can help balance out your, your gut flora um, helps with being able to have more flexibility in your diet because you have more places for that glucose to go instead of straight into your bloodstream. So I don't know. I think that, like I said, last time muscle is metabolic currency big fan of getting some muscles that's my i know you'll have something hard, to say about hard, this too <laughs> hard for me not to jump in because yeah go ahead <laughs> of all my of all my health habits my favorite one is it's working out yeah and and i love doing it uh i love having a little bit of muscle mass and i know that it feels good makes life easier but i think too that the thing you touched on that i i really liked was when you talked about the concern of obesity and the epidemic that it is and all the things that go with it or the, the correlations with metabolic disease and diabetes and heart disease and the list goes on and on. The, and you talked about cardio, like the focus seems to be, let's get the weight off, you know, and in even mm -hmm. someone who's obese, if they started with strength training and did zero cardio, they'd be in way better way better condition in a much faster, uh, much more quickly. And just by gaining some muscle, 
there it's like you said you you can burn more fat if you have more muscle on you that, that metabolic currency and so and if you're doing cardio uh, you're not burning fat really effectively uh, and you're not keeping your metabolism working on burning fat for longer periods of time if you, if you do strength training your fat burning stays active longer um, but you're also creating the environment where you have the ability to burn more fat so you know i'd love to see way more people doing more strength training and less cardio from a health perspective i think there's uh, i i go for jogs fairly often but they're three to five k and they're zone two like they're my heart rate is is really low trying to stay in a fat burning state and i think lots of long slow steady movement is really important but the biggest bang for your buck from a exercise perspective is doing some strength training getting some muscle mass on you and it doesn't have to be tons of it you know mm -hmm. just uh just something that that works for you and there's a ton that you can do with body weight like because that's the biggest thing that i'm hearing from my clients right now is that like there's no motivation to do any resistance training because they don't have their gym and they don't have a home gym set up or what like what have you there's so much that you can do with body weight that will move the dial in a really big way so yeah every, every trainer and pseudo trainer and average person who works out has got a, a home gym with no equipment youtube video right now so <laughs> yeah I'm exactly sure, i'm sure everybody can find something that they would enjoy going through for sure yeah and that's a big piece of the puzzle like uh i know people that do the, the whole cardio thing because they think that it'll help them lose weight when they don't actually really enjoy it and once they switch over to lifting some weights they get quicker results but they actually like doing it and the thing that you like doing is the thing that you're going to stick with so you know find find what you like to do and that will be the first domino that gets you going on on these other things so um yeah that's my last one get yourself right some muscle sounds good to me <laughs> so that's probably enough for people to chew on for this week yeah, that was great. I think it was a good, uh, good summary of a few points and I mean, so many more. And, and again, when, when we talked about what train five for life is, what we're trying to build and what we're trying to get going is looking at those five pillars. And so these things fit into those, but there's, there's so many more topics that I think can be beneficial for people. Uh, and like you said, finding a few key things that, that you enjoy that you can do not just from an exercise standpoint, but in any of the pillars, whether it's connection or mindset or whatever, it's, it's not like you have to be perfect at all of them. You just need to recognize that there's a few things in each of them that, that can impact your wellness, make you feel a whole hell of a lot better. Um, hopefully make you happier and more joyful. And that's kind of our goal when we talk about this stuff. Nicely put. Great place to end. All right. <laughs> See you next week. See you next week. Sounds great. Okay. Bye. All right, bye.